We are continuing our series entitled, Do It Yourself, D-I-Y. This is all the craze now. If anybody out there Pinterest at all, Pinterest, am, I the, am I the only one? Like, I'm guilty. I, I'll just be honest about it. I'm on Pinterest all the time um, just because I can go on and go, look, I can build that myself. That's awesome. I don't ever it, but, you know. It's on there, so, but it's an amazing uh, ideology that is an old ideology, rekindling, sweeping throughout our nation of doing things for yourself, doing things uh, instead of paying somebody else to do it, figuring out how to do it yourself. Um, but like so many things that we do, when we try to up and do something that should seemingly be so simple, nine times out of ten, it becomes uber complicated. Anybody else? I shared a few weeks ago about my battle with the kitchen sink and how I reached up underneath. What I wanted to do was tighten. It just snapped. From there, it just went down. You're sitting here and you're, you know, smacking your forehead going, how on earth did something that should have been so easy, so simple, become so overly complicated? How did it become so difficult? And I think it's true for us in spiritual walk as well with God. That... The things of God, while I'm not going to sit and tell you that they're easy, they should be simple. It should be a simple thing. We overcomplicate it and make it so much more, so much more difficult than what it should be. We place spiritual disciplines on a pedestal as if the only people in can pray, read their Bible, fast, worship God with their whole heart. The only people who can do that are people who are called to ministry. As if they're some sort of a special holy breed that God has imparted these gifts to us and the rest of us are just trying to scrape by and get to glory. We're just trying to make it to heaven. But you see, God wanted all of us to live a life of he wanted all of us to have a life of fullness. Yes, He saved us. And yes, there is pain and suffering in this life. There are trials and struggles. And there are going to be things that will happen that we will not have an answer for this side of glory. It's just the world. And one day we will stand before Jesus and there will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more loss. We won't have to give up our loved ones anymore to death because they'll be with us for eternity. That day is coming. And that is a promise that we should cling to and it should give us strength in the darkest of nights. But Jesus did not come simply to give us a little taste to look to for our whole life. No, He came to give us abundant life today. 
to give us life now. Full life now. To walk in joy. To walk in peace. To walk in pointing. To walk in favor. Again, it doesn't mean that we won't go through struggles. But it means that through every struggle, through every trial, He takes us by the hand and He walks through it with us. The first week we talked about prayer and how we overcomplicate praying. It really should just be a conversation with models laid out throughout Scripture that we can go through and pray ourselves. Ultimately, it's about us spending time with, with Him. Opening ourselves up to connect with God. Last week we talked about worship. And how worship is a matter of our hearts. Simply offering God glory for who He is. Being thankful. That we come to God with thankfulness and gratefulness inside of our hearts. I find that the times when I really just don't feel like worshiping, that if I will take a few moments and begin to list some things to God, that I'm thankful to God for, that suddenly my heart begins to open up. Why? The Scripture commands us, Come into my courts thanksgiving in your heart. So if you're ever standing in worship, and it just feels like there's a wall between you and God, giving Him thanks. It's that simple. And then out of that thankfulness, worship will flow. And you can lift your hands. You can bow your head. Some people want to kneel at their seats or run to the altars and lay, lay out before the Lord. There's so many different ways to worship the Lord. But it all starts with our heart. It all starts thankfulness to Him. And this morning I want to talk about fasting. What I believe is probably one of the most powerful forgotten spiritual disciplines in our day and age. There are a whole list of disciplines that we don't teach and practice anymore. And I say practice is things that you do to draw closer to God. And fasting is one of them. Fasting has become a myth. It's become this that Jesus did and that Elijah did and that these men who were so spiritual and that it's somehow attainable to us. Because we think that fasting means I don't eat anything for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm going to tell you right now that the 40-day fast of nothing but water has only been carried out by a few people throughout Scriptures. And it was specifically when God called them to that. Called them to walk in that fast. But that's the fast that we see because that's the fast we hear in the Gospel. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And now we think of fasting as this hard, difficult thing. 
And it really should not be that. It is very simple, very basic, and it is very, very powerful. Fasting changes things in the spiritual realm. It changes things in our life. Fasting is crucial to our work with God. You say, well, how... How do, how do you know that? Why would you say fasting is so important to our walk with God? Well, number one, Jesus did it. And if Jesus did it, and the Scriptures tell us that the servant is never greater than the master, the student is never greater than the teacher, then why on earth we need to exercise the same practice? Why on earth do we think that we don't need to fast and draw close to God? The reason is this. Jesus said so. I love that. That's my favorite line now with my parents. I said, I swore up and down I would never say that to my kids because it drove me crazy as a child. Look at me and I'd ask why. And And they go, why? And I go, I don't need you, why? Just do it because I said so. I'll explain it later, after you've done it. Right now, I want you to go to the room. And just as I, as a parent, look at my tell them to do things because I said so, I have a reason that's incredibly important to their life grow and mature in our faith and begin to learn what those reasons are. And today we'll begin to, to look at some of those. But Jesus knew, God knew that we would need fasting in order to grow in our faith, in order to grow in our walk with Him. He knew that we would need it. Because uh, in Luke 5.33-35, it says, Then they said to Him, why do, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days." then they will fast. He didn't say they might fast. He didn't say they may feel called to fast. He didn't say that the super spiritual and the super elect amongst my call that they may sometimes fast. No, He said they will fast. My disciples will fast when the bridegroom is no longer with them. Because when we fast, it draws us closer to God. When we fast, it denies our sin and feeds our spirit. Galatians 6.8 says, For he who sows to his flesh will of flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting the reason why we seek God, the reason why we seek first His kingdom and allow Him to 
add all the other things to us is because of the spiritual principle that when God is first, when we seek Him, when we go after Him, then everything else begins to line itself up in our life. Everything else begins to fall into place. Sometimes we're going through struggles and battles needlessly in our life simply because we've not taken the time to press into God's presence. Simply because we've not said, God, you're who I want. You're, you're the one that I glorify. My life to bring glory and honor to you. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that every time you go through a struggle that somehow you're distant from God or anything like that. I just believe that there are some things that could be averted. And the reason why is because of the man who was demon-possessed, his disciples brought him to Jesus and said, why can't we cast this demon out? So we don't understand. You gave us the authority. You told us to go and cast out the evil spirits in your name and, and every one of them has left when we did it. Every one of them is gone except for this one. So Lucy, you got some splaining to do. You got some splaining to do here. His disciples wanted to know what on earth was going on. And Jesus looked at them and said, this kind can only be overcome through prayer and fasting. Through prayer and fasting. The two go hand in hand. Because if you fast without prayer, it's just a diet. If you fast without praying and seeking God, you've just gone on a diet. And that's it. But when we couple fasting, denying of ourself with prayer, with worship, with studying our Word, then suddenly it all begins to come to life. It all begins to be stirred up inside of our spirit and that still soft voice of God that sometimes is so difficult to hear becomes more and more and more clear. Because the more I deny myself, the more the prize becomes valuable. The more I say no to eating this or to doing that so that I can seek God now, and I have a picture and an image of where I want to be in my walk with God, where I want to go with Him, that I want to draw close to Him, I want to walk in holiness, I want to see my loved ones get saved, I want to uh, be healed of this disease, I want God to, to move on my behalf, and I know what it is that I have in my mind, and I'm seeking and pursuing Him. The more and more I deny myself in that pursuit, the more and more that becomes so much more important to me and becomes the only thing that I'm pursuing after is Him. Everything else fades away. In Isaiah 58, 6-7, it says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, 
to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? When we fast, we don't just deny ourselves. When we fast, we draw closer to God. And we begin in our fasting to break and loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo heavy burdens. To set the oppressed free. To break up every yoke. Yes, we are denying ourselves something, but we are denying ourselves something for a greater good. And not just for myself, but for others around me. Ezra fasted when facing thieves along the road because the king had given him money. And he chose not to take the army with him because he wanted to show the king how faithful his God was and he fasted so that there would be protection along the road. Samuel called the nation of Israel together to fast to seek the return of God's presence in 1 Samuel 7.3. Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and broke a spirit that was gripping hold of him and suicidal thoughts. Paul fasted after the Damascus encounter to find direction for his life. The widow who encountered Elijah was willing to fast and give up her meal in order to help someone else, to help the prophet. Daniel fasted for understanding, for wisdom, for strength. John the Baptist was continually fasting. He had taken a Nazarite vow for his entire life. Fasting so that he could be in a place to proclaim and prepare the way for the Son of God. Esther fasted for God's protection and for His favor with the king before she approached Him. Over and over and over again throughout Scripture, we see that fasting does something. It's supernatural. It's difficult to explain because it is moving in a realm that we cannot see, the spiritual realm. When we fast, God is pleased. It brings a smile to His face. It begins to break off those chains that have bound us, not only of ourself, but of our loved ones. If you have loved ones who are unsaved, I encourage you to fast and pray over them. Because when we fast, God begins to answer. In the book of Daniel, 
Daniel started fasting and he fasted 21 days. And the angel gets there on the 21st day and that's when Daniel stopped fasting. The message to Daniel was this. God sent your answer the minute the prayer left your lips. He commissioned me to go out. And I was on my way. But I was hindered by the principality of this region. And he fought against me for 20 days. And on the 21st day, God sent reinforcements to set me free so that I could come and give you this message. And the hypothetical question that we have to ask is that if we, if we don't press through, if we don't fast and take those times and set them aside, how many answers from God will we never receive because we weren't willing to go the distance? We weren't willing to pursue it and to continue to chase after God. Daniel was willing, I believe, to continue his fast as long as it took till he got the answer that he needed. Fasting is powerful. But fasting, as powerful as it is, and we all know that it's powerful, I don't believe there's a person here who would disagree with that, has become overly complicated. We don't know all the different kinds of fasts. We're not taught those things anymore. And this morning we're going to take just a few moments and I'm going to begin to lay out some of the different types of fasts. You see, because the one we know most is the full fast of giving up everything and only drinking water. And, and that's it. And that's, that's a, a powerful fast. But there are other types of fasts. The most common one that we see today that's kind of surged to the limelight is the Daniel fast. The Daniel fast is a fasting of meats and sweets and any drink other than water. There's no, there's no, uh, if you're doing a full Daniel fast, it's essentially a vegan diet, if you will. There's no eggs, no milk. Uh, you can go into a fast, though, and you can tweak it and adjust it to your health needs. Because one of the first tips is that we need to fast in accordance with where we're at physically. And if you have health issues that won't allow you to give up food, won't allow you to go without eating, then you don't need... God's not calling you to that type of fast unless you hear very clearly from God that He wants you to do that. You need to know that there are other types of fasts that we can tweak. So as an example, Rachel and I have done the Daniel fast at the beginning of the year uh, for, I don't know, going on six, seven years now. And we go through it, and we have three kids. So they eat what we eat, and it's difficult to not have milk product in that. So we just go no meat, no breads, and uh, no sweets. And, and we eat all the other stuff, and we fast all of those 
things, and during that time we take our meal times to focus on God. We set aside extra prayer times and we pray and we seek God together. We seek God individually. We seek God as, as a family. But this is one type of fast that you can do and you can tweak and alter it however you want to, to, to do it. But know this, if it's something that you don't eat normally, it's not a fast to give it up. If you don't like broccoli, you can't say to God, Lord, I'm fasting broccoli for the next 21 days. Because it's not a sacrifice. Fasting is about sacrificing something up and saying, I'm giving this up which is important to me to pursue you. You want to know one of the most difficult things for me? I can give up meat because I love vegetables. I grew up in my grandfather's garden. I can eat veggies all day long. I, I've, done, I've eaten vegan for six months straight before. I, I love it. I can do it, no problem at all. But pastries, honey buns, caffeine, coffee in the morning. When I go on a Daniel fast, I usually give up my coffee for 21 days. And for the first week, I'm miserable. I try to, I walk through the house and people, and, and I'm walking through and I, I got this headache going on and, and people be saying hi to me and I'm, I'll, I'll be real short. I don't normally spend the normal amount of times that I do getting lost in conversation during that first week of a Daniel fast uh, simply because I'm grumpy. I'm not feeling good. Uh, when you fast, something begins to happen physically. Your body begins to detox. Uh, it's estimated that in, as Americans today that we ingest somewhere near four pounds of preservatives every year that get stored in our uh, body systems, in our liver, in our organs. Your body doesn't know what to do with those things, and so it stores all of that. And so I, I'm laying out some practical things to expect here when you fast. So... You go and you start fasting. Let's say you're doing the Daniel fast. And you, you go through and you start. For about the first two or three days, man, you've got a pounding headache. And you're going, oh my gosh. I understand what drug addicts go through. Not really. It's not to that level. It's not that bad. But you feel like it in the middle of it because you're coming off sugar and coffee, which are two of the extremely addictive everyday substances that we have. And then your body, as you're drinking all this water and you're denying yourself all these things that it normally wants, that it's craving, it craves those things, um, your body starts to what they call detox. Because now it starts accessing all these other areas in the body where it's stored all of this stuff. And for about the first week, I usually feel like I have the, my bones ache. I get, my mouth gets all thick, it's gross. It's like, you don't want to get real close to my face because my breath stinks. And, and I, I'm, I'm just being real here. I'm just being honest with what to expect. Because it's healthy. You go through, God is very practical. Not only is it spiritually good for us, but physically it's good for us too. Because it gets all of that nasty junk in our body out. And usually after about day 10... I feel amazing. I feel great. I got more energy than my kids again. 
I can run from dawn till dusk and run circles around the children and be sitting up in my bed working and writing messages and doing all this and, I, and, never, and not be tired and finally lay down just because I know that I have to. Because I don't have all this stuff inside of me as well as, so it's a physical component as well as I'm being energized spiritually. So now there's something going on inside of me as well that I'm getting excited again about what God's speaking. I'm getting excited about what He's saying to me that when I'm opening up my Word, it's coming to life. The Bible is just speaking to me and I'm flipping through the pages and I'm going, oh my gosh, I've read that passage a thousand times and I've never seen that before. Because when we fast, it changes things for us. Second type of, so the third type of fast is a three-day fast. Or a, a, what I'll call like a, a time, because sometimes some people will fast seven days. Really, you can set whatever limit of days that you want. But the one we see in the Bible very prevalently that used to be exercised was a three-day fast. In which they would start at sundown and they would fast till sunup on the third day and they would not eat anything. Uh, not drink anything. This was a what would be considered a really, truly total fast. Again, you can adjust this. It's between you and God. Fasting is very, very personal. It's very, very individualistic between you and God. And you can say, God, I'm going to give up this for three days, and and I'm going to and I'm going to drink water, or I'm going to drink juice if you have blood sugar issues to keep my blood sugar up. Um, and the fourth type of fast is, is a partial fast. You know, you can fast from till 3 p.m. Or fast lunch. Or fast dinner. Or fast from sun up to sundown. Or like the Daniel fast, which is technically a partial fast, you can say, hey, I'm just going to fast sweets. I'm just going to fast Cokes. Uh, you know, as I am with pastries, Rachel is with Dr. Peppers. And so when she goes on a fast, that is the most, that usually that's what goes, Dr. Pepper. Because that's difficult for her to give up. She hates it. Like she loves, it's like the nectar of life, she refers to it. So it's amazing. It's good. I, and I love it too, but not as much as I like key lime pie. So... <laughs> When you fast, it's important to decide what kind of fast you want to go on. There's so many different ways to fast, and I encourage you, if you have health issues, to go to your, if you feel like God's laying on your heart to fast, or, and you want to do that, I encourage you to go to your doctor and say, I really want to fast. How can I do this safely? What's going to be manageable for me with my medications and, and things like that? And, and they may, some, for some people, they may say it's just not possible for you to fast, you know, this stuff, you know. Usually, though, I've found that most people can fast sweets and Cokes, um, you know, unless you're using those things with a blood sugar issue to bring up your blood sugar quickly. Uh, in which case, you know, you've got to follow the guidance of your doctor. Because the Lord gave us doctors for a reason. The Bible tells us that healing is a spiritual gift. Not just 
supernatural healing. Healing is a spiritual gift. And I believe that doctors, regardless of whether or not they believe in God or not, that their gift they have is from God. And we need to trust the advice that they, they give us and try to find a way to work healthily as well as pursue God. If you can't do uh, those kind of things, I encourage people to give up TV. Sometimes that's difficult in our culture today. My children, last week without power, about lost their minds. Almost lost. They're, going, they're so used to tablets and TVs, and, and, it, and I'm not going to lie, you know. I'm fine as long as i got something to do, but that, I'm, 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 I'm a real hyper person. I don't know if you can tell that. I, I always feel like i got to have something, something to do. i got to be doing something. i got to be going, 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 going. And the way I stop myself to wind myself down is typically turning the TV on because it forces me to sit still for a minute. That's not a healthy practice. I realize that. But it's what I do, and it helps me kind of begin to sit still and, and calm myself down. And when I go on a fast, I usually cut all TV out. No movies, no Netflix, no flipping through the channels. And, it, and I spend that time that I would normally spend watching TV, focusing on God and my family. And spending time with them. So I encourage you to look at the different areas of your life. There are more things that we can fast and give up than I think that people really consider. There are a couple of key things that we need to do though. First of all, you have to mentally prepare yourself for a fast. Um, the only time I have ever successfully went on a fast, like just deciding that morning, is when I clearly heard from God you need to fast. And he was, he was giving me help. And, but normally when I fast, I've decided two, three weeks in advance, at least, maybe a week, that I'm going to go on this fast. And I know what I'm going to fast. I know when I'm going to fast. I know how long I'm going to fast. And most importantly, I know what I'm fasting for. What, what is it that you want from God when you start your fast? Do you want a closer walk? Do you want that long-lost child to give their heart to God? Are you needing a financial breakthrough? Are the bills crushing down around you and, and, and you've been looking and trying to solve this problem and you, can't, and you need God to move on your behalf? Are you wanting uh, that, to hear that still soft voice? Are you wanting the Scriptures to come alive inside of you again? What is it that you want from God? What is it that you need from Him that you need to fast? And list those things out. It is incredibly important to know all of these things to begin to prepare our mind. Because your mind is sometimes the devil's playground. And boy, that first two or three days, I can't, Rachel, it's uncanny. The first two or three days, we'll go on that fast, and suddenly people call us up that we hadn't talked to and be like, hey, you want to go out for ice cream? You want to go out for cake or you want to go out for coffee? I hadn't talked to this person in 
a month and a half. And they call me on day two of my fast, tempting me. They don't know I'm on a fast, but it never fails. That's the way it works. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to. Because he knows how powerful it is. And I promise you, it will happen to you too. And if you've not mentally prepared yourself of this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do these things, I promise you He'll get you every time. He's been doing this for a long, long time, guys. He is not a novice at it. And so we prepare ourselves and get ready and and prepare our minds and say, I'm going to fast, I'm going to do these things so that we're committed to it, so that when we drive by McDonald's and we smell that Big Mac and all the grease and the oil and the heavenly scents that come out of fast food restaurants, we can go, no, I'm not doing that. I'm giving this up for God. I'm just for, for this period. Of, I can do this for three days. I can do this for 21 days. I can do this for two days. I can do this for a day. I, you know, I can do this from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., whatever it is that you've decided. You know, I, can, I can do this. And, and so we grab hold and we... We prepare ourselves mentally for that so that we have the best chance of success. We need to prepare ourselves spiritually. When you're getting ready to go on a fast and all during the fast, this is one of the best times that I have found to seek God to see if I have any unforgiveness in my heart or to see if there are any hidden sins in your heart and submit them to Him. It's an unbelievable time to lay things at the feet of God and have Him move and reveal these things to us. Because sometimes you don't realize that you've had a grudge and you've been hating your brother or sister, which the Bible says is sin, You don't realize it's inside of your heart until you start asking God to reveal stuff to you and then all of a sudden things come back to you, thoughts you've had, prayers you've prayed for them or against them. Um, and, And suddenly the conviction of God comes into your heart and says, you know what, this is a hidden sin inside of you. You weren't even aware that it was there. You need to release this. Or maybe it's something that you knew God's been asking you to do for a long time, something that God has commanded you to do, and you have kept pushing it to the side, kept pushing it to the side, kept pushing it to the side, and said, no, I'll do that later, I'll do that tomorrow, I'll do that next time. And so that disobedience in in our life has become a wall between us and God. And so we tear those things down and we submit them to God. Because, again... We can't fix ourselves. I can't fix my unrighteousness. I can't fix my sin problem in my life. Only God can do that. But I have to be willing to let Him search my heart to see what things might be there so that I can submit them to Him and hand them over to Him so that He can deal with them. So that He can give me strength to deal with it if that's how He sees fit to handle it. We need to make sure that we, as we are preparing ourselves spiritually, that we are dedicating time to prayer and to studying our Word 
and to worship. Before, during, and after our fast, it is crucial that we connect with God in every way that we can. Because again, if we are not connecting with God, then we're just on a diet. And, you know, we can throw Richard Simmons on and sweat to the oldies. And uh, so that was, I used to do that as a kid with my mom. She's got embarrassing videos of me as five, at five years old sweating to the oldies. And uh, Richard Simmons, woohoo! That was, that was great. And, uh, and we can do these things, and it's, all, and it's good for our health, and it's great. There are tons of health benefits, but if we want the spiritual side of it, then we have to make it a spiritual thing. We have to make it a spiritual thing. And the third, the, the last thing we need to do is we need to prepare how we begin and how we end a fast. Like I said, if you're just if you're just gonna fast one meal a day, there's not a whole lot of preparation other than preparing yourself mentally and, and spiritually for that. But I have found that when I know I'm getting ready to go on a 21-day fast, usually at about three weeks out, I cut my coffee in half. And then the next week, I cut it in half again. And then the next week after that, I cut it in half again. And then, by the time I start my fast, I've already wheedled my caffeine addiction down to where I'm not quite so grumpy. And I'll do the same thing with sugar, because those are my two stumbling blocks. So there are things that you can do beforehand to begin to cut and limit it so that your body doesn't go through those symptoms. If you'll start cutting those things out and drink lots and lots and lots of water, those first seven, if you go on a long fast, an extended fast, those first three to ten days, you need to be drinking more water than you've ever drank in your life. Because water is what flushes and cleanses us. And it will help you not feel so bad. Because so many times what stops us from a fast is that we get a day and a half in and we go, I just feel so miserable. And then that little voice in the back of your mind starts going, oh, just, just go on ahead and grab that oatmeal cream pie that's up in the cupboard. No one's going to know. McDonald's is right over there. You can just go over and grab yourself a, a double quarter pounder with, with cheese. It'll be all right. Because not only then in that moment in time are we dealing with the physical side of it, we're dealing with the mental withdrawal symptoms of I'm giving something up and I realize that I am and it becomes difficult. So do some things beforehand. Prepare yourself for how you're going to begin. And if you choose to go on a Daniel fast or a full fast for any period of time, when you go back to eating normally, do it carefully. Don't prepare yourself a Thanksgiving feast. I promise you, you will get sick. I can promise you that. You, 
you will be sick when you eat that stuff. If you eat a whole bunch of food with heavy grease and uh, lots of sugar and all these things, after you've been off of it for uh, after you've been off of it for any extended period of time, if you dump all that stuff into your stomach on an empty stomach, it will it will mess you up and you will be miserable. I promise. So don't don't do that. A couple. Of, if you go on a extended fast without food at all, you start easy by drinking broth, having some light foods, things like that, and you start working yourself up over the next day or so before you start eating a whole lot of heavy food again. If you've gone on a Daniel fast before you start going out and getting that steak and all that stuff, you need to start working into some lighter meats that are not so heavy on the stomach. Because you don't realize how that stuff affects your digestive system, but it really does. Again, these, this is just practical stuff for fasting to make fasting go well for you. This is stuff that if we had all grown up 3,000 years ago and we were Hebrews, that we would have simply learned from our parents and watching them go through the rituals of fasting through all the different festivals. We would have learned all these little bits and tricks, not to mention they didn't have all the unhealthy, as much of the unhealthy stuff like the preservatives and all that kind of stuff that we put into our body all year long. Um, so we need to know how we're going to begin it and how we're going to end it. Because if you don't know how you're going to begin it, you will not, it'll be hard to start. And if you don't know how to end it, uh, you won't ever want to do it again. It'll be bad, I promise. And so the, on, getting closer to the beginning of the year, I will do a full series on fasting, and we'll do some more in-depth look and teaching on all of this because I will be, Rachel and I will go on a fast for 21 days at the beginning of church, and we will be calling as many people in the church who feel able and feel called to join us to pray over our church for the next year, to pray over the church for, for direction. But this is not something that you have to wait till January to do. This is something that you can do right now in your own personal life, in your own personal walk with God. Fasting, I promise you, can change things in your spiritual life. It can strengthen you. It can be that push relationship with God that you've been looking for that's been missing I have seen fasting not only change someone's spiritual life I've seen people lay down addictions through fasting seen people give up cigarettes seen people give up alcohol I've seen people's loved ones who were the ones addicted to stuff because of somebody else's fasting broke the chain of addiction on their life have seen two times couples that were told they couldn't have children. On the 21st day of the fast, they announced that they were pregnant because we fasted and prayed for them to have children. God moves when we fast. I promise you, it, it's like the, the, the same kind of principle of giving to God with our with our tithing of our mind. when we give to God the things that we love most and we offer them as a sacrifice to him he opens up the floodgates of heaven and he pours his blessings out 
upon our life. Rachel, if you'd come and play for me. The Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. Everything else will be taken care of. In that, in that passage, in context, he is, He's telling us that, you know, I, I clothe the, the uh, flowers of the field and take care, feed the birds and, and do all of this. So why on earth are you stressing and worried about all these other things? If you will seek first the kingdom of God, and my righteousness, not, not Pastor Mark's righteousness, but God's righteousness. If you'll seek first His righteousness, then He will take care of all the rest of it. He'll put everything else into order. And He puts everything else into perspective. Because what I have found in my life is when I am closest with God, is when the struggles of this life seem so insignificant. The things that would normally devastate or ruin my day or upset me or like just get me all riled up when that person cuts me off in the freeway and then slows down to 10 miles under the speed limit and I just want to shake my fist at them and tell them Jesus loves them. And, uh, you know, that's not what I want to tell them, but... Anyways, it sounds better. I find that those things don't bother me as much anymore. Why? Because the truth of the Scripture is this. When we feed our spirit, our spirit gets stronger. When we feed our flesh, our flesh gets stronger. So many of us struggle with things in our life because day in and day out, the enemy is feeding our flesh whether we want him to or not. Just turn your TV on. Just think of every, every excuse right now running through your mind of why you can't fast. I've got everything that's, that's spinning in there. Oh, I can't, I, I've got this thing going on or the kids have got that and, 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 and we got to do that. And every distraction that comes in, he wants to keep us so busy so, so busy that we're continually feeding our flesh and never feeding our spirit. And we wonder where the miracles of God went. And the answer is that God's standing with open arms saying, here they are. Here they are. If you will seek me, if you will pursue me with everything that you have, you will do it yourself instead of having someone do it for you, then I promise you I will open up the floodgates of heaven and I will pour out my favor, my blessings, my spirit upon you. God wants more than anything else to be in an intimate relationship with us. He wants you to know Him the same way He knows you. And the Scripture says that He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows you so well that He knows every thought you're going to have before you ever think it. And God wants us to know Him with that same level of intimacy.
And there are no shortcuts in life. There are no shortcuts in spirituality. There are no shortcuts in our relationship with God. The only way to get to that level of relationship with God is by spending time with Him. I promise you, you can go through your whole life and just say, well, I'm just waiting for God to bless me in the altar one day and, just, and, and then I'll be on fire for Him. I, it'll never happen. Because God's waiting on us. He's already here. He's already there with your breakthrough. He's already there with your answer. He's already there with what you need. And He's had it because He knew you were going to ask for it. He's just waiting on you to come running. And say, Abba, Daddy, here I am. Here I am. And I want you. I love you. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. This is not a call to fasting, but a call to surrendering your life to God. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never given Him, I've never accepted Him as my Lord, as my Master, as the One who's in control of my life. I've never submitted myself to Him and given Him permission to command my life. And today you say, I want to do that. I want to surrender my heart to Him because I want Him above all else. I do not want to go another day without His presence in my life. If that's you in this room this morning, would you just lift up your hand? Amen. I believe wholeheartedly that God is drawing us to a deeper relationship with Him. And so right now, Father, I stretch my hands out towards God, this faithful church body. And Lord, I pray let Your Spirit begin to wash over them. Holy Spirit, I pray that You would fall on each and every person in this room as You did in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Lord, I pray let Your favor begin to be poured out. Lord, I pray let a thirst and a hunger be stirred up inside of our spirits. Lord, that we would long for You that we who are called by Your name would repent and turn from our evil ways so that You could move on our behalf and heal this land. Lord, we pray, God, that You would call us to a deeper walk with You. And Lord, that You would destroy the lies of the enemy 
that tells us that we cannot do these things that draw us closer to you. That tell us that it's unpractical, that it's an old traditional uh, practice, that it doesn't need to be done anymore because God, you laid these things out in your scripture as a divine route to you, to your glory, to your kingdom, to your righteousness. So Lord, I come against the lies of the enemy. God, and I pray inside of each and every one of us, you would begin to burn with a hunger and a longing to know you with the same intimacy that you know us. Draw us closer to you, Lord. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming this morning. Go and be blessed in the name of the Lord.